Hello, I'm Speak Up Dana, your host for the Hilariously Unemployed podcast. These podcasts actually originate as LinkedIn audio events. It was very important to me that I have these events on LinkedIn because my ultimate goal is to get someone interviewed or hired through this podcast and the events. I think it's so hugely important that we're using a social media platform dedicated to professionals and career. If you'd ever like to join us for a live recording, of the Hilariously Unemployed, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, Dana Duckworth, and you too can ask questions of myself and my guests like you hear me reference in the episodes when I say I'm bringing somebody to this stage. All right, y'all, it's time for the show. Please enjoy the Hilariously Unemployed. This week's episode of the Hilariously Unemployed podcast is sponsored by Shira Ali and Associates, where the goal is simple. It's all about helping women take a confident action towards work that lights them up. If you know me, you know my podcast has become work that truly ignites me and lights me up. Shira Ali and Associates is on a mission to empower women to seamlessly transition in just 90 days, moving confidently into their next phase. It's really not uncommon for us to have clear vision, but to struggle with execution. Shira is there to support and help with that. She specializes in guiding women through this crucial transition, helping them build a solid plan so they know what they should be doing each day to get to their goal. So if you're leaving a nine to five, transitioning to a new industry, or maybe re-entering the workplace, but need help figuring it out, please consider Shira Ali and Associates as a resource. You can visit ShiraAliAndAssociates.com to learn more about this amazing organization. Hello and happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to episode seven of the Hilariously Unemployed podcast. I am your host and still favorite opportunity seeker, Speak Up Dana, aka The Big Speaker. I am so excited that you all decided to join me on yet another Friday with another amazing guest. But before we get into the show, let me just do some quick housekeeping for you all. If you are new here and you need captions, you can click the three dots at the very top of your LinkedIn Live audio to add those captions. If you want to interact with us, you can use that reaction button. Go ahead and test that out for me by throwing some hearts. I could use some love on a Friday. You can also do different reactions, but that is how you can interact with us. Later on in the show, we will allow you all to ask questions of myself, my guests, or just to share some feedback with us. At that time, I'll prompt you to raise your hands so that you can come onto the stage. Also, I want y'all to do me a favor. If you're here, that means you love me, you love Marcy, or you love the idea of a podcast called The Hilariously Unemployed. So a way that you can help me out right now is by clicking that invite button at the very bottom and invite one of your work besties, somebody who's unemployed, somebody who needs a laugh. Go ahead and slide into their DMs with that. Another way that you can support the podcast, of course, when it goes live on podcast platforms, leave your girl a review. If you were filling the episode, especially on Apple, Spotify, or YouTube, leave a five-star review so that we can continue to promote the podcast. All right, y'all. So some quick updates. I want to let y'all know that the guest from episode one of the Hilariously Unemployed, my good girlfriend, Christine Grisham Holloman, she is now gainfully employed. Yes, that's right. No thanks to me, but she's got a 
big girl job over there at Sony Electronics. All right. Like she is the head of their diversity recruiting. So I am so proud of her. She's been sending me pictures of her work day and how amazing the Sony campus is. So I am so, so happy for her. Hopefully many more opportunities start to happen for my guest. Again, she did that all on her own, but I just wanted to let you all know that it does get better. You will find your next opportunity. You will find employment if that is what you are seeking. Highlights of the week. I talked to Ms. Joellis this morning, and she is the founder of Latinas in Property Management. She gave me some resources that those who are looking for support can use. So if you are interested in Latinas in Property Management, of course, go to their website, find them on LinkedIn. But they also offer a mentoring service so they can do resume reviews for you, prep calls, and get you ready for your next role. So shout out to them. I'm also, again, always thankful to the Melanin and Multifamily crew. They have continued to support me in all of my efforts this week. I don't even have to name them because they just always show up and show out. So thank you, ladies, always. And guess what, (laughs) y'all? We have another sponsor for this episode. If you listen to episode six, by the way, my 15-year-old teenage son told me that he listened to my podcast and it was episode six. And he said, it was good. That is a big deal for a boy mom. (laughs) So if I have his approval, I know I'm doing something very right. But Shira Ali was actually a guest on episode six. And she she provided some great insight. She has sponsored this episode. So Shira Ali and Associates, thank you so, so much for being our sponsor for this episode. If you listen to it on podcast platforms, you will hear an amazing commercial that I did for Shira Ali and Associates. Let me know what y'all think of that when you do uh, listen to it and see if I can get into the commercial bag and start doing some jingles and jangles. All right. So the reason why you're really here to join me on this Friday is, of course, for the hilariously unemployed and you want to hear from my guest. So today I am joined by Miss Marcy French, who wears multiple hats. <laughs> she is not hilariously unemployed, y'all. She is actually very employed. Um, but you know, the goal of this podcast is really to support those who've been impacted by layoffs, have employment gaps, terminations, And as of recently, I've wanted to make sure that the conversation is really well-rounded. So I want to give y'all my caveat. If you came here to hear us bash any previous employers, this ain't that. So you're in the wrong place. But as my podcast has grown, I felt the need to really have a conversation around some other sides of the unemployment struggle. So for many of us, myself included, it feels really personal when we receive that news that we're no longer going to be employed. And for my audience, I just wanted to unpack the story of what it looks like to be a person to deliver such news. So for those who know me, it's no secret that Marcy is my OG. And for those of y'all who don't know what that means, that means she's my original gangster. (laughs) But in all seriousness, she is my mentor. She's a mentor to not just me, but countless others in our industry. She leans, loves, and owns the role of queen mother to the collective of Black women I am fortunate enough to call my friends, sisters, peers, and colleagues. That's Melanin and Multifamily. 
Marcy and I communicate regularly, and she is also always looking to support me. So casually one day, she just mentioned that if I ever needed a guest in my back pocket, she had once had to lay off an entire staff. To which I thought, <laughs> in my back pocket? Marcy, welcome to the show. You are an icon, my mentor and my friend. So I would like to welcome to the show, Miss Marcy French, y'all. Marcy, tell my audience hello. 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 You good? I'm good. She didn't crack me up. I haven't got started yet. Yes, I'm. I'm having a good day. It's Friday. Okay. Well, buckle up, cause here we go. Okay. Seatbelt is on. I'm ready. Okay, so first things first, you know the name of this show is The Hilariously Unemployed, and I know that you're very gainfully employed right now, but take us back to the day before you were the Beyonce of multifamily. Um, (laughs) Have you ever been hilariously unemployed, Marcy French? Oh my gosh, Um, that's craziness. But my name and Beyonce is in the same sentence. I will take it on any day of the week. Okay, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I actually ended up in this industry because I was hilariously unemployed. Uh, I was a receptionist for a construction slash property management company. Mm-hmm. And one day I went into work. And, you know, this is back in the days when sexual harassment lawsuits weren't really a thing. And people said and did all sorts of things. So where I worked, my boss had like... Playboy centerfold on the wall and and yeah, like like that type of deal. So it was just old school. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you know me, I'm not also shy, mm-hmm. very direct, very, very much mouthing a stand up for myself. I went to work one day, I was 19 years old, and my boss was talking out the side of his mouth, and I said, you know. I should not be spoke to like that. I would like to not be disrespected. And I said some other things and we both decided at the end of that conversation that maybe we should no longer work together and I should no longer be employed there. So I went home and was 19, dropped out of college, had chased a boy to another country and was like, I can't go home. What did I do? So I whipped open the help wanted ads. Yes, that's how old I am. In the newspaper. And scrolled down and found a leasing position at the community I lived at. Walked over there and the guy was had his feet on the desk smoking a cigarette. What? I needed a job. Yeah, yeah. This is really old school. So yeah, so you hired me on the spot. That's how I ended up in the industry. But I was hilariously unemployed for about um, eight hours. And it was very uncomfortable because I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills. <laughs> eight hours, girl. Come on now. <laughs> well, I've been unemployed other times, but that was the only time it was really that was hilarious wow marcy i want to unpack so many things about that child so did you have to get out your like your red sharpie and the newspaper and circle things them's facts yes yes the red pen or the blue pen because you can't use a black pen mm-hmm. and you got to make sure you don't get all the ink on your hand while oh. you're doing it don't spill your coffee or your wine or whatever it is you're drinking while you're crying on the newspaper mm-hmm. um and remember what it is you looked at what page because you can't just go back to the search function. So, oh, um, yeah, what a this time! A era. What a time to be alive. Um, that is, <laughs> that is a beautiful story of your unemployment journey. It does. But it does. let's 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 go a little further. So, can you tell me? I mean, 
everybody knows and loves you. Like I said, you're the Beyonce of our industry. But how does one gain the title of industry auntie? And most notably, because it was coined by myself, (laughs) Queen Mother. (laughs) Well, I can tell you how I got the industry auntie. It's really just at some age, you become some age. Remember, I was talking about the newspaper. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's a point where I think you just become... It's, first of all, it's the black community. We call the women at a certain age our aunties, right? So if mm-hmm. they're somebody that we respect or that we look to for advice, um, sometimes my relationships go further than just being a mentor, right? It's personal. Mm-hmm. I, I adore you, Dana. I love you. You're my family. It's mm-hmm. more than just a mentor-mentee relationship. We're family. Mm-hmm. So when you become family and you're at my age and been around long enough, you get to be an auntie. So I like that. And as far as queen mother, I don't Oh, no, you tell people why um, the queen mother. Oh, okay. Look at her trying to turn my podcast on me. So Marcy is the queen mother because when we started Melanin and Multifamily, it started as conversations amongst many different Black women in different pockets of apartment lives when we were in San Diego. She was there. She was there at the start of it all. And she said, whatever y'all need, however y'all need it, I'm here with you. I'm so excited to see other faces that look like mine. I'm so excited for the representation within our industry to see you all trailblazing the way that you are, whatever you need. And when I say she said that and she stood on it, literally, whatever we have needed throughout that time, and it's been a couple of years now, she has been there for each and every one of us. So that is why she is the queen mother. And she is so respected and loved by so many of us. You're so sweet. And listen, comes with responsibility, because sometimes y'all be, be chasing after y'all and poor parents in this room, you know. <laughs> But I, I love y'all so much. I love y'all so much. And it makes me just, I'm not crying today. So how about that? Oh, but man. I'm so proud of the work that everyone has done and the changes we've seen in our industry because we've had more representation. So it's a beautiful thing. Yes. And I am the child that tests her nerves the most. I love to do that. It's my goal most days when I wake up. So um, if you ever see us, in a back and forth where I am cracking up, laughing, probably holding my stomach, and Marcy has a very serious face. She's asking me, what is wrong with you? Well, why would you do that? Dana, I can't. I can't deal with this girl. <laughs> keeps things interesting. She keeps me on my toes, y'all. On my toes. Yes, I do. All right. So let's give the people what they want and tell them, you know, wh- what they actually came to hear. So... You know why we're here and you understand that my goal is really to create a well-rounded conversation around all aspects of unemployment. And it's not an easy conversation to have. And when people think of those who are handing out the cardboard boxes and telling people to hit the road, they don't necessarily picture a beautiful face like yours on the other side of that. Uh, A person who is so empathetic and leads with their heart, an industry auntie, a queen mother. Can you walk me and my audience through... Um, you being tasked with sharing the news of layoffs with your entire staff. Yeah, I I can tell you it was literally the worst day of my career. And I remember getting on a call with the owner of the company and my boss at the time. And um, they said, you know, this is what's happening. Our our properties and our communities had, I'm asset manager now, so I said properties instead of communities, but they had performed really well. We had already sold two the year prior. 
And you know, you're in the Virginia area, the Virginia market blew up Mm -hmm. and we had several communities there and we're a long-term hold company. So I never felt there was any danger in us selling a bunch of properties, but I guess the investors came to my boss and said, listen, the market is hot hot. before the interest rates went up, Mm -hmm. prices are going up. We can sell these properties for more money than we even uh, projected five years from now take out the risk. It's just a no brainer. So, you know, sometimes it's a financial decision. The fiduciary responsibility we all carry in this industry is the reason we have jobs. So they pulled me into a meeting and they said, listen, this is what's happening. We're going to sell ABC properties. Mm -hmm. And we sell, we were manager, we self-manage our property. So we Mm -hmm. owned and manage our assets. We're going to sell ABC properties and we're going to only have three properties left. That's not enough to have a whole management company because we don't know when we're going to buy again. The cycle is changing. Mm-hmm. It's too competitive to buy. So that means we're also going to get rid of the management company. Wow. So my first thought is probably what anybody else would be is, shoot, do I have a job? Yeah. Because my prior company had gone through that same kind of shift in cycle and I didn't stay for it because I was scared. By the way, they blew up after I left. So oh. that was a a gamble I wasn't to t- didn't want to take, but turned out well for the company. So here I come to this company thinking it's stable. They're going through this change. And I'm thinking, crap, I'm going to be looking for a job. But my boss says to me, no, no, you have a job. You're going to stay on as the asset manager. I'll teach you everything you need to know on being an asset manager. So my first thing was relief. And then he says, but, and, that, and it dawns on me, all those properties we're selling, I got to go tell those folks. Mm. Those are, that's my team. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, we're getting rid of the management company. All of those people are my team. Mm. The people on site for the most part, if they're doing a good job, they can stay on at the community and and stay with the new owner. But when the corporate team, they now all have to find new jobs. And I was sick, just completely sick to my stomach. And there were a couple of people, the regional manager at the time said, this is the company I plan on retiring with. So I knew mm. I had to go tell her her retirement plans had changed. Wow. We are a close-knit company. We were like family. We loved working together. We went through COVID and survived all of that. And, and the turnover at the corporate office was nothing mm-hmm. through all of that. So it was it was tough. They said, this, this is going to be your job to tell the ball. And my boss did go with me, the owner of the company, for some of the visits. I went around the country in January to the Midwest, and I stopped at every place we had team members so that every single one of them could hear it with me standing in front of them. We didn't do any of that. I think we did one, we did one by Zoom mm. um, because they didn't, we didn't have communities there. But everybody else, I did it in person. I went and visited them and sat them down and had to deal with the tears and the questions about why we thought this was, you know, a stable long-term company. And Mm -hmm. it it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. So much to unpack there. So how did you answer that first why? You know, I think for most of the people asking the why, they had been in the industry long enough to know that things shift. And really, I think if you've been in a, in a career space, no matter what industry you work on, work in, you know, things can change on a dime. People sell their companies, people buy companies, people go through hardships they didn't expect. And and we had a whole pandemic that no one expected Mm -hmm. that put many companies out of business. 
it also created opportunities for people. So I think um, the why was hard. You know, I had to be honest and say, I can't answer except that when you work in real estate and you have an investor and you take the risk out of their money, Mm -hmm. they're going to go that route. And that was basically the only answer I could give them. And that I was there for them, right? You mm-hmm. know that I'm going to do whatever I can to help you find your next gig, whether it be you stay on with the company that takes over any of the properties, the management company that took over. We actually required that they keep all of their employees as long as they passed the background check, that they had to keep them for a certain window of time. Okay. So that they all had jobs. Um, so what we could do, we did. The people that were most impacted were the corporate team members that had to go look for jobs. And I, you best believe I was calling anybody I knew in the industry that I thought would be a good fit and said, hey, I know so-and-so. They're going to be looking a job as of October. What do you have? Mm-hmm. I gave references. Like anything I could do to make it easier for them, I did. Wow. How many people were you required to have these conversations with? We did it in teams. So Mm -hmm. the the total amount of employees at the time, I had 50, I think it was 52 team members Mm. at the time. And what are your emotions around telling 50 people that their livelihood has just changed? Yeah. Um, So this new stage of my life has made me more emotional than I used to be. I've never been a crier, Mm -hmm. ever, ever, ever. Mm -hmm. But the last few years, it's been, you know, for women of a certain age, you know what happens. We get a little hormonal in our in our mid midlife. Mm-hmm. So trying not to cry as I'm watching other people cry, as I'm telling them I'm going to have to rip the rug out from under them, and they're not going to have a position with us anymore, was really hard. Like I really had to um, pull it together because that wasn't the time, right? Because they're not there to console me and right. my emotions. I'm mm-hmm. there for them. And I had to keep reminding myself, this isn't about me. This is about them. Mm-hmm. How can you be solid support for them? And some of them we pulled aside after the meeting with the team. We had a one-on-one. Maybe it was just a hug. Maybe it was just a, I understand. How can I help you find your new position? How is this impacting you? For some people, even having a guaranteed position impacted them because the maybe they were getting ready to buy a house and now yeah. the job is changing. Wow. So uh, which was one of my team members. So we actually made um an exception for her and kept her on a little longer, I think one month longer than we intended to. So mm-hmm. she would have that continuity mm-hmm. when she closed on her house. That's a very special thing you all did for her. Um and it's a very human reaction to want to be able to like, Hey, we know we have to let you go, but let us just help you a little bit longer. So I'm happy that you even brought that up. So through this entire process of, you know, giving people this life-changing news, what do you think you did really right in that process that made it easier for those that were impacted? So I think one of the impactful pieces was doing it in person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were in five states and I live in a different state and the corporate office was in another state. So the fact that that I think the owner and I showed up in person or I showed up in person when he put it for every single um, conversation, I think was huge. I think it sent a message that we cared about those folks as human beings, not just a number in a company, but an actual human who was going to hear bad news. 
Um, it's really easy to get on a Zoom call and tell somebody, right? But to get on a plane and go to five stops or four stops in one week to do it in person, I think was important. And I wouldn't change that. Mm. I, I think it's important to deliver that kind of news in person when you can. Yeah, that had to be a very heavy week for all parties involved. If you're traveling to give that news, I mean, just for me, traveling anytime is not for leisure or a happy trip. So say I'm going to a memorial or a funeral, the entire traveling process in my stomach is is in knots the entire way there. So I can just imagine you transitioning through airports, planes, different properties, just the weight of having to be the bearer of that news had on you. It was the the worst part about it was I had a really tight travel schedule because I had to be so many places and we wanted to do it all in the same week so that people didn't start yeah. gossiping with each other, right? So we wanted everybody to hear it directly from me and not from a coworker. So that was so important to me. So when I started, I had to swear everybody the secrecy so that said, you know, you got this news in person. Mm-hmm. I want everybody else to get this news in person. So you got to allow me the time to get to every community and every office. So it was January in the Midwest, and they were having record-breaking cold weather. I want to say it was like 60-degree wind chill below zero in one of the stops. So I was so panicked about the tr- like plane, um, the airlines canceling or what have you. So yeah. the fact that I was able to get to every stop that was making me anxious was a miracle in itself. So, um, yeah, it was a horrible feeling and everybody was respectful by the way, mm-hmm. by the time I got to the last stop, they heard it like they heard it from me and no one had called ahead. So I was really appreciative of that as well. Yes. As a person who received my news over Zoom, I will say that not being in person allowed me the space to hang up and fall apart and not <laughs> do it in front of people. But also being so far from my team, um, they are in San Francisco and being on the complete other coast. It was like, oh, this is it. This is it. I don't I don't see you all anymore. This is goodbye. And when I hang up this Zoom call, not that communication stops that day, but everything has now changed. So, I mean, yeah, that was hard for one of the team members at the corporate team. She was like me in that she worked in a state where we didn't have any communities and we were able she was heartbroken about the idea of not being able to hug somebody up. Before we left, but we were able to plan a couple of insight on-site visits to where some of the corporate team members were still able to go back to the sites and do some transitions together, so they could say goodbye to each other in person. And I think that was another thing that we did right because I don't think that was necessary as far as far as operationally or physically. Like I could have gone by myself and done what I needed to do, but the fact that we made it so other corporate team members could go say goodbye, especially. One in particular who was, she was my boss and one of my closest friends. Mm-hmm. And she left the company and she hired me. So mm. that was really uncomfortable. But she went and we did the last sale transition together. And that was her last trip. And she got to say goodbye to everybody. So it was important because she started the company. Yeah. Wow. Wow. What a way to end it, though. That is mm-hmm. truly a story. 
Okay. So if you were to have to, thankfully you're not in this position now where you would have to deliver this type of news, but if you were to have to do something like this again, what would you have done differently from that first time? Um, Well, I think that I have one answer, but I don't want to say that. So I'm going to give a different answer. Sorry, I was about to go there. You can go there. This is a hilariously unemployed show. Oh, my gosh. No, I got to be careful. Okay. So I would say I, I may have done a little bit more research ahead of time on open positions in the industry because I'm connected the way I am. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I would have done. Um, secondly, I think one of my team members said to me, during the process from the time the news went out to the end of the, the end of the story, right? The day the doors of the management company were really closed and we were done towards the last couple of months. She was, she reached out to me one day in tears and she said, I feel like I'm just alone right now. Mm. It's because we, she and I both worked remote and that we used to have weekly calls and meetings mm -hmm. and all of that. And they went away because we were transitioning out to other companies. And I would have made a more, um, I would have been more intentional. Did we lose Marcy? Okay. Nope, I'm here. Sorry. Okay, gotcha. Um, um, I would have made it more intentional to continue to meet regularly all the way to the end, mm -hmm. just so that I can check on her mental health. That is probably my biggest regret. Okay, so I have a different feeling about that because I was there after I got the news of my employer, and I felt that the check-ins were too frequent and like still having regular one-on-ones. I'm like, why are we one-on-one? I'm about to be one of none. <laughs> you know? mm, that, was, yeah. that was my sentiment. Like I get it. And I was thankful that I had some additional time, but I'm like, I am just like in a relationship. I'm trying to get away from you. I'm trying to cut my feelings off. I'm trying to move around. I'm trying to be outside and see what else is out here so that I can find my next thing. Yeah. And um, yeah. it was just hard to constantly feel like so connected. But then when it was all over, I was like, oh, man, I miss that sense of community. So I had to create it, you know, in other spaces. And with some of my former coworkers who I talk to regularly, but it definitely was difference in emotions for me. Just like, I really don't want to see these people today because I'm never really going to see these people um, the way that I did before ever again. Yeah. So it was just I very... guess it depends on your personality type then, huh? Yeah. Because I actually had a team member that was like that as well. One of them felt like, please don't leave me out here by myself. And the other one was like, I'm good. If you need something, let me know. Otherwise, I'll be right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> leave me alone. Don't email me. Don't call me. Don't invite me to a meeting. I will not be there. My camera will not be on. <laughs> that's right. Okay, so to wrap up this portion of our conversation, to any leaders who are tasked with this burden, what advice do you have for them to be how you are, to be empathetic, to not make it feel like such a transaction, to actually be thoughtful and mindful of the way that they exit people from their companies? I mean, I think you just nailed it on the head. You have to, just like you are as a leader, that you have to... Um, transition or shift how you are as a leader for the team member in this scenario, you're going to have to do the same because how people react 
will be different for everyone. Some people are going to be emotional and heartbroken. Some people are going to be like, deuces, I'm out. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that you have to pay attention to what your people need. I did the best I could with that to really make sure I was a human who was there for other humans. It wasn't just a transaction of business. And that's how I've tried to be as a leader always. But I would say that that's the biggest thing. These are human beings. They bring their human to work. They're not robots. Mm -hmm. How this impacts them is different for everybody. For one person, it's an opportunity to find something bigger and better. For somebody else, it wasn't anything that they expected. You know, for someone else, it's going to be emotional. For someone else, it's just a transaction. So you have to be really thoughtful and be watching for that because sometimes they don't say what it is they need. Mm-hmm. You have to watch and, and pay attention to what it is they need so you can give them the support. Yeah. Okay. How much did you cry that week? A lot. And the tra- to your point, the travel played into that because I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. So I'm exhausted. I feel bad. Um, I, yeah, I cried a lot. It was a lot after every visit I cried before every visit I cried. And my, my, the owner of the company is not, he's a transaction guy. Mm-hmm. He's an asset manager who became an owner. He's a transaction guy. So he's definitely empathetic and a human being. Like mm-hmm. I said, he made the decision to keep somebody on a month so they could close on their loan, but he's not emotional like that. So I couldn't go to him like, will you hug me? Uh, I just went back to my room and I would call people, my friends, like, oh, this is so bad. But um, yeah, lots of tears. And how did you put the pieces back together after all of that was said and done? Did you continue to stay with that company? Did you need to distance yourself? How did you bounce back? I'm still here today. So it's been almost exactly a year. Actually, exactly one year, one month. It was mm-hmm. August 1st of 22. So um, I'm still here by myself, but I've maintained connections um, to most of the people on my corporate team. I would say any of that team would call me today if they needed a reference and know that I would give it. Mm-hmm. Um, I still see them when I go visit the cities they live in. We get together. Uh, we follow each other on social media. So I feel like we're still connected. And I think the best of my knowledge, there's no hard feelings with any of them. I think it's, it's been okay. That's awesome. And every one of them have a job. Not one person does, you know, every single person found a job within, I think the longest was maybe two or three months. Okay. And one person started her own company. Wow. 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 All right. So let's pivot. Your daughter is currently (laughs) hilariously unemployed. But not for long, um, because she has decided to, for whatever reason, enter the multifamily arena, um, effectively making her the um, blue ivy to your Beyonce. (laughs) For her. So can you talk to me about some of her challenges? Uh, We've seen some of your posts on LinkedIn, but some of the challenges that she's been having and how differently, because you started off talking about you pulled out the newspaper to uh, look for your job, how differently the landscape is in finding a career now that it's your daughter's turn to do it. Oh, my gosh. And by the way, just like Blue Ivy, my daughter looks exactly like her father, <laughs> just a twin. Um, so anyway, I digress. 
Um, yeah, I was shocked actually. And the, the hilarity of her unemployment is been something I have to be careful with because baby girl still lives at my house and I, yes, I do charge her rent. So <laughs> you best believe I haven't gotten rent in about three months. <laughs> so the hilarity is running its course. Um, but she, yeah, I was shocked. Like there was a time I think in our industry where leasing people, it was easy for them to get jobs. It's entry level. Mm-hmm. Folks are always looking for somebody without bad habits. Mm-hmm. They want good customer service. My daughter is a vet. She was in the reserves, the Air Force Reserves, mm-hmm. with lots of great leadership experience. She worked at a Starbucks. We know we oh. are stealing people from the Starbucks and the Chick-fil-A and Disney. Yeah. So the fact that she worked at one of those, I said, and plus I know people. So I said, listen, little girl, you'll have a job in five minutes. Uh <laughs> Two and a half, three months later, she said, I don't know who you know, but they must not like you because I can't get a job. <laughs> I was like, okay. So really bad experiences, like interviews, uh, managers not wanting to interview. She applied for a job and took a resume in in person. They promptly took the position down, reposted it, saying experience required. Wow. Um, I just have been shocked about how she's been treated, but it's indicative of how people treat leasing now. I think our market has been so strong for so long mm-hmm. and we're getting ready to soften in this cycle that I think it's always been easy to find people up until the last year or so. And it's always, we've been full. We've been a 95% market almost nationally for mm-hmm. a while. Yep. The leasing is starting to soften, which means we're having to train people now, which means now having a leasing person with experience already is becoming more important so i just think it's a little bit indicative of the cycle can we just talk about how crazy it is that a veteran can't get a job like can we just talk about the if you can protect this country you can um definitely show these apartments okay yeah. <laughs> like and she's got an outgoing personality. So Mm -hmm. I I was absolutely shocked. But I'm going to tell you something. Out of all the places she applied, I think she's only had three or four interviews in a total of three months. Like she couldn't even get an interview. Yeah. That's a shock. That is mind-blowing to me that one, somebody who worked at Starbucks, but two, was just a veteran. Like what what are we doing and what are we saying? as an industry, as a community, that we're not taking the time to find someone like that of value um, to our companies because the leadership skills that like she's she's very well equipped and you can train a lot of things, but you cannot train somebody to be a good person. You can't train personality. So all of the leasing things and look at who her mama is. Like if anybody can teach anybody to lease anything, it's her mama, you know? Um, and not that she walks in the door and says that. Yeah. I mean, but it's um it's very shocking to me to hear that her job search has taken so long. And I've been in a situation like when um my company was acquired years ago where I was out of work for like nine months, I couldn't even get an interview. And I'm like, I'm so qualified for everything. And at that time I was like, oh, it's all in who you know. But apparently what you're saying is, it's not even in who you know. Yeah. But you know what else is interesting is that I've had probably 
three or four people in the industry reach out, said they're looking for a position, they're struggling. But I've also had people outside of the industry. One of my friends has been unemployed for several months and she said, you know, that's not my industry, but I think I have some trans translatable skills. Mm -hmm. Who do you know that you could connect me with? But I'm hearing the same messaging about, you know, we, we complain about people don't show up for interviews or they take the job and don't show up for the first day. Right. But I'm also hearing from people looking for jobs that the the hiring people, the hiring manager, the the connection there isn't calling them back or Correct. isn't getting back to them. Or I had somebody say they went three interviews at the same company before the person who was interviewing them actually showed up. So wow. the first two times the interviewer didn't show up. Let me just tell y'all. I thought that was incredible. I apply for jobs every single week um, per the Virginia Unemployment Commission's requirements. And I have never even received a phone call from any of the jobs that I've applied for, nor in the least an interview. So that's why I'm here with y'all on another Friday. Um, <laughs> but wow. we know that I'm moving and shaking in other ways. So it's okay. But just imagine if I was just so in need of that phone call, in need of that reassurance that I have the right skills for these roles that I'm applying for, in need of knowing that I am qualified since I validate myself is not no longer necessary, but it is heartbreaking when you're not getting those calls, you're not getting those interviews and people are not even having the courtesy to say, hey, we've closed out this position or we reviewed your resume, but these are the things that we were considering instead. So I say that to say, y'all recruiters, y'all y'all people who are hiring, y'all people who post these jobs, be good people. I know everybody gets busy, but if it is your job to hire people, also make it your job to be good at communication. Like, come on, stop it. Be a human because the people who are applying are humans. They're not just a bot on the other side applying for a job. It's a human being who needs to pay some bills and yes. take care of their family and pay some rent. And I think we can do better. I think so too. Um, if anybody has any questions for myself or my guests, now will be the time to raise your hand so that I can bring you up on stage. Marcy, if, what is your wish for your daughter as she embarks on this multifamily path? Oh, I hope that my wish for her, because of the conversation we've had in just the last two days, is that she will be able to continue if she chooses this as a full career path that she will be able to continue through the path without foregoing her authentic self. Mm. Um, this is something I didn't have when I started in the industry. I definitely was finding ways to assimilate so that I could continue on my career path and continue to promote. Yeah. And I still struggle. I'm so transparent about that with her and anybody else. I struggle with some of the things that she wants to be, and I say, this might hold you back. Mm -hmm. And just an example, she has tattoos on her arm. Mm -hmm. She has a piercing in her nose. Mm -hmm. One of the companies that she is interviewed with said, no piercings other than in your ears. You're going to have to take that out. Mm -hmm. um, a company she, she ended up not going further with also said no visible tattoos. That's the world I come from. So that wasn't a surprise to me at all. For her, it's absolutely appalling and shocking <laughs> that she, her 25-year-old self, along with the rest of her generation, is tatted and pierced. And how dare they say no to somebody who could be absolutely amazing? 
So trying to explain to her, you represent somebody's company and the company is not owned by a Gen Zer mm-hmm. or an elder, an elder Zer. She, she's <laughs> a millennial, I guess. She gets really upset about the whole Z thing. But in any case, I want her to feel authentic in every move she makes. And it breaks my heart to think I'm even having this conversation with her to say, I need you to wear this outfit to your interview so you are what they're looking for, mm-hmm. not the way you want to show up because they're not interested in all your tattoos and nose piercings. I'm sorry. They uh, might not care, but let's let them get to know you first. Yeah. That kind of breaks my heart a little bit as a mother to actually have to say that out loud. Yeah, it's hard. I remember... Um, in my first leasing role, I used to take my little Mac compact and cover up the little star tattoos on my feet. I'm like, if somebody's looking at my feet in this office, we have another problem. But um, I would have to cover them up. And now, like, when I think back on it, it's like, why? You know, it's a conversation starter, if, if anything. We can talk about my tattoos and also how you need to go ahead and sign this lease today because I need my commission. So we'll see, you know, I'm surprised that people are still so strong on the no tattoo thing because it truly is an expression of people's lives. Their personality is an extension um, of those things. So thank you for sharing that little tidbit, y'all. Cover up your tattoos, take out your piercings. We're going to get you in the door and then you're going to pop them out day one. Oh, for sure you are. All right, y'all. If anybody has any questions, remember to go ahead and raise your hand so I can bring you up onto the stage. Marcy, tell me what is something that you've gotten really right this year? And then you know I want to know what you've gotten extremely wrong. <laughs> are you going to make fun of me, though? Uh, Probably. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to be funny with it. You know what I've gotten right, Dana? You're going to love this answer. Mm-hmm. Compression. Oh, Lord have mercy. Yep, I'm going there. Compression socks. Oh, my gosh. Listen, ladies in the audience, men too, but ladies, we run around in these high heels. I'm in my 30th year in this industry, and you couldn't tell me nothing. I was running around these communities with high heels. I could run marathons in my high heels, and I could rocks and property visits and all of it in my heels. And this beginning of 23, I had to have surgery on my foot because I have Mm -hmm. bone spurs. Mm. I have a whole new uh, respect for the right pair of shoes, but compression socks have saved my life. I want all of you to go buy a pair. No. I want you to wear them when you're going to be on your video. You can wear them at home, Dana. Nobody has to see your compression socks. It can be a secret. Mm-mm. I wear them sometimes on the airplane. Mm. Uh, that's where I have the problem. That that That's where you lost me. When I saw that photo of you going to Africa in those socks, the fashion goddess that lives with inside of me, she crumbled and she wept because I said, why is my auntie out here in these? <laughs> I mean, I just, I just couldn't understand how we would take that outside of the home, oh, outside, no. outside of the store. Honestly, when you bought them, I feel like that was the the largest mistake because I feel like they should come in like a better pattern or like, can we just, can we just wear a legging is a compression legging? Yes. 
they do make like yoga pants come in compression material. But okay. see, my issue is my foot. So I needed it on my foot. But I took them off when I arrived in Africa. Took them off. But Thankfully. Shoes, some tennis shoes. Um, but I, I mean, I'm just telling you, I, I wanted to be cute too. But you pr- you pay for cuteness. That's, that's what I'm going to say. You're going to pay for that cuteness at some point. Nike, if what you're listening. Cute? They have cute compression socks. Nike. ones. Yeah, Nike, if you're listening, please design the most fashion forward compression socks to ever exist because the ones marcy have they not it i don't know if they came from amazon i don't know where they came from if she got them from a medical grade store child they're terrible and um i i I don't even want to relive that time in my life when she shared that with me (laughs) apparently this is the answer to the other question what do i what did I need to say? What? Yeah. What have you gotten really wrong this year? So you got the compression socks. And like you said, you said you were going to all these properties and all of these heels and all of that stuff. We don't need the compression socks because we're wearing our dunks. She is wearing her Jordans. I will have some Crocs in my bag before I, I'm going to do anything. They have my name on it and they're bedazzled, but I'm going to bust out my Crocs. I'll be on heels and on the stage, but I'm not going to walk around your conference that way. So we take care of ourselves in, in other ways that happen to be more fashionable. Yeah. you know, And it's all in the eye of the beholder because I wouldn't be caught. My, Gen X is not going nowhere public in no Crocs. Okay. So you and your Crocs can leave me and my compression socks alone. Okay. Okay. I guess I will accept that then, Marcy. <laughs> So what have you gotten really wrong besides the compression socks for me? Um, Okay. Boundaries and knowing when to say no. Mm. At the beginning of the year, anytime anybody asked me to do anything, I said, absolutely, got it. And then there have been nights when I'm preparing for a presentation or trying to get some financials done and I just have too many things going on at once and I didn't look at my calendar carefully and I overdid it. And I really stressed myself out. Um, I can really appreciate um, one of the young ladies I mentor. I reached out to her lately, maybe a week ago, and I said, listen, it's been a minute since you and I have been together. I want to know how you're doing, what's going on in your world. And she very politely said, not right now. Mm. I'm doing a budget, mm-hmm. and I don't have time for you. So I will see you after budget season, and I will let you know how I'm doing. And I appreciated that so much because in that moment, she taught me it's okay to say later on, not now. You don't have to say yes to everything. Mm. Um I know some of y'all have been talking about burnout recently. Real, so. Yeah, I need Set to I need to find that space. I need to find my off switch because literally I am saying yes to everything and I am supporting everybody and everything that they're doing. And I'm trying to show up as the best mom, the best friend, um, the best ex-wife, the best, you know, in, in my dating life, the best in my professional life. I'm trying to show up the best for me, for my mom, for my family, for my dogs. And it's a lot to be your best in all of those avenues. So I know that I've heard you say before that there are some days that I'm only really good at being one thing. And that could be a mom or that can be a, a businesswoman. And I am really struggling to find that boundary. But just so y'all know, my birthday is on Tuesday. So I will not be helping anybody but myself to everything that I want and deserve. 
<laughs> this weekend, starting tonight, okay? It is Virgo season. September has landed. I will be acting up. If you see me in the streets, you do not recognize me. It is not Speak Up Dana. It is some other person, and we will not speak about it again on Monday. Thank you. This is me virtually handling, hand, handing you the baton because you know I just finished up Leo season. Okay. Yeah. Whole month all out loud. Yes. So yes, you definitely did. You definitely did, and you know me and Leos go together real bad for whatever reason. They love to they love to put up with me, and I always find one of them in my life dealing with all of this that it comes with. So thank you, Marcy. Love it. Now we love know it. that you have big business. <laughs> Can you talk to me about French's Leadership Solutions? Tell our audience how you can support them. Give them the rundown and let them know all of the amazing things that you do with that amazing organization. Well, it happened by accident, but here I am and people seem to want to pay me to talk and, you know, talking is what I do best. So um, French's Leadership Solution offers a couple of different options. I am a leadership and diversity, equity, and inclusion facilitator. So I can come to your organization and facilitate a course to further along your team in their leadership or DEI journey. I have been a keynote speaker at conferences. Um, next year, I this year I got certified as a leadership and life coach, and I'm going to actually open up that part of my business in 2024. Wow. So if you need me to help you organize your life, um, I'm going to be focusing on life coaching and relationship coaching. I'm going to leave the business coaching aside to my coach, Melissa D. White, because um, I am struggling enough in my own business, but <laughs> I have enough life experience that I'd love to help anybody work on organizing their life and or their relationships. So that is what I do. Um, I just do it from a, an authentic place. Mm -hmm. I just do it from life experiences. At some point when you get to be almost 50 years old, you know a few things, you've tried a few things, and know a few things don't work. And so I just am going to take that to a different level next year. So you're going to find me a man is what you're saying. Oh, Lord. No, I'm going <laughs> to find out if you need one day. That's a whole other conversation we got time for today. Maybe, maybe I'm just ready for a man. No, girl, I need several. I need several. Lord, have mercy, help Dana. Please help me help my Dana. You love it here. You love it here. I just want to say thank y'all again for showing up to the Hilariously Unemployed. Thank you so much to Miss Marcy French. You are a friend. You are a family. You are amazing. I believe in you so much because you believe in me so much. So thank you for everything that you do. I'll be back with a guest next week, next Friday. So if you're interested in tuning in live, you know where to find us. 3 p.m. right here on LinkedIn Live Audio. It's my birthday weekend, y'all, so I'm not even going to promise y'all that this podcast is coming out tonight because I'm going to see Key Sweat and Tank. Um, So <laughs> it will be out on podcast platforms when it's out on podcast platforms. And if you are subscribed, like I have begged y'all to be, you will get the notifications. All right? So with that, have an amazing, safe, and lovely Labor Day weekend, y'all. It's Speak Up Dana. I've been speaking to you. Bye.